Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, the official sports bar of the Warriors Huddle. The weather's getting warm, and I cannot think of a better way to spend an afternoon or evening than sitting outside with some homies, drinking a beer, and watching a game. Luckily, the Athletic Club Oakland has me covered. They shut down the entire street next to their normal space and created an enormous outdoor section called the Town Gardens. It's got TVs everywhere comfortable seating, and their full food and bar service. In short, it's the perfect place to watch the game with friends while enjoying this beautiful summer in the Bay. It's now our go-to spot, and hopefully we'll see you there. In fact, Bram, Marcus, and I are there all the time. So if you show up and we see you in huddle gear, you've got a beer on us. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you all to our huddle. You are in the Huddle with me, Bram, no Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? And rejoining us, we have a full house, the Golden State B-Writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who attends every single Warriors practice, press conference, shoot, around and game when it's not a global pandemic, and the best trivia guy in the NBA writing game, Mr. Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? Yo, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. I, I am impressed that you didn't get too distracted. I mean, literally, let the record reflect. These fools are taking pictures <laughs> while we're recording. I mean, like selfies and shit. I wasn't sure what was going on. And when I say we, because, Maxime, we have more than one guest also rejoining us. The Golden State beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, host of the Locked on Warriors podcast, and a man who isn't afraid to keep his chest hair nicely manicured, Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? And resident millennial influencer, uh, social media, entrepreneur, all those things. That's why I take these photos. Podcast selfie taker, that's exactly right. Also, let the record reflect, we are all together, boys. uh, A post-COVID pandemic, fully vaxxed, kick it situation. Feels great. Yeah, it really is awesome to see you, boys. You you texted us a couple days ago asking, hey, can you come into the city and record in person? And I was like, yes, for sure. And then Wes and I were texting earlier today, you know, because we have something work related we have to do later. And we're like, maybe we should do it over Zoom. I was like, nah, bro, we got to do it in person. That a boy. I want to do it in person, man. I'll always be transparent with you guys. Super excited to see you. I've been excited all day. Also, strangely nervous. It's weird doing this back in person, like making eye contact. I like to kind of get lost in my notes, read while pretending to speak. So this, it's a little extra pressure, a little extra pressure. So we'll see how it goes. We have a brand new segment. 
today. One I am fired up for. One whose name I even like. Take our money. But we got to cover the draft before we get to any of that. Yeah? So the last time we recorded, we talked about the options. There's been a draft now. Warriors picked up Kuminga at 7. They got Moses Moody at 14, which incidentally, friend of this podcast and Connors, KP, called. Um, she told us it would be Kuminga, and she kind of casually mentioned that Moody might be there at 14. So props to her. Let's start with Moody, because I know Kuminga's going to get us all excited and angry. Wes, I'll throw it your direction first. Something you like, something you do not like about the Moody pick. Um... What I don't like about the Moody pick, I honestly can't really think of anything based on who was on the board and who went after. I think Moody was... I, I Look, I know that they were considering... Some people in that front offices were considering him at seven. I thought that would have been a reach. I just don't think he really has the upside if people think he's the next Mikel Bridges. Like, you know, you're dreaming. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was a good pick there at number 14. Good value. I, I like him. I was actually impressed with him during um, the media day thing, that they, the press conference thing they did. He cracked some jokes. He showed that like a good personality. He seems comfortable in his skin. I think that's going to be really important when you're walking into that Warriors locker room. Because what we know about the Warriors is, hey, good locker room culture, etc. But it's an intimidating locker room, right? Like you're walking in there, hey, that's Steph, Clay, Draymond Green, like all these things. That could be really intimidating for a 19-year-old. But Moody, I, he has a mature air. Look, I don't really know him. I'm talking about him based on one single interaction. But of all the rookies, I think he has a good chance to walk in that locker room and just be like, okay, I know what I'm about. All we do is judge people based on very small amounts of information. So you've come, you weren't here last week, but I got destroyed for calling an entire state racist. Uh, so you know it is what which it is. one Utah, Massachusetts, both no Utah and Phoenix, which I stick by. Is oh, what and it Phoenix, is. but over Phoenix general is a whole location, state yeah, you know, it, is, it is what it is. <laughs> I don't like to be uh, fact checked, especially when we're in person. You piece of shit. I told you I was kind of nervous. It is what it is. Um, but I'll use what you said as a transition, at least as far as his personality type. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Are you ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off, not only in the USA, but Canada, the UK, across the Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. So don't forget, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. There was this quote that came out, in fact, aided by your Twitter account, Connor, um, saying that Kuminga said he wasn't necessarily interested in the Rookie of the Year, and then Moody said he was. And when you watch it, 
the it, it underlines that personality trait you were just talking about, Wes. Because the full quote, somebody asked Kuminga some kind of softball about what's more important. Would you like to help them make the playoffs or would you like the personal accolade? Yeah, that was an executive from like Oracle that asked that, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it ultimately set up the quote. I got to ask a question. Are, are you going to let me fucking say this guy? <laughs> I've been trying to like ramp into this. You're giving me shit about Phoenix for was, 25 I minutes. I was right, raising my hand for a question when he asked. I mean, like, Jesus Christ, Wes. <laughs> Anyways, somebody asked Kuminga, would would you prefer uh, helping this team go further in the playoffs or win the rookie of the year? And he gives the canned answer, the one you have to give. You know, no, no, I don't care about rookie of the year. I'd like ultimately to help the team. And without missing a beat, both seriously and jokingly, Moody comes in and says, oh, I wouldn't mind rookie of the year. And the, the personality, the kind of chutzpah that that suggests, I like. Connor, give us a Moody opinion. Yeah, I, as far as uh, that anecdote, I thought, he won the press conference in a lot of ways. I thought he was uh, – I got a chance to talk to him a little bit one-on-one, and he just comes across really smart, uh, down-to-earth. Feels like he'll fit the locker mythos super well, and I, I can understand that they interviewed him and why they liked him. But um, I'm not sold on him as a player. Um, I thought it was a little ridiculous that he was even in the conversation in the top ten, especially given how deep this draft is. Um didn't surprise me a ton that he was available at 14. Um, personally, if I'm the Warriors, I would have taken Chris Duarte if he was available, but he was taking the pick before at 13. And my understanding is if Duarte was there, they probably would have taken Duarte. Um, but just because he has a higher floor um, than someone like Moody, I think you can feel confident that someone like Duarte would come in from day one and be a reliable role player and rotation player. I think... I think that Moody has a chance to be that, but I don't think it's a guarantee. Moody doesn't have like an elite NBA skill. Hmm. I mean, he's an he's a pretty good shooter. He's not a great shooter. No, he's he's not like great at anything. He's good at a lot of things. Um, to me, he has some of the hallmarks of a guy who could be a bust, to be honest. But I I think his best case scenario is Danny Green, and I think if he could be that, that would be a, a great case scenario for the Warriors. What about Glenn Robinson the third? As a best case scenario, as like a comp, Glenn Robinson the third was good for the Warriors. Yeah. He hasn't been good on other teams, but he's he was actually pretty good in his one year. For I mean, if his best than one case year with is the Danny Green, then somewhere on that spectrum is Glenn Robinson. Yeah, III. beneath it, it's definitely not as good. I think yeah. I'd prefer him to be Danny Green. No, that's what I'm saying. So, so, but if it's not Danny Green, then somewhere. If we aim higher, is there another <laughs> version of the spectrum? I mean, like, I don't know if we really want no, to cap that's not how that spectrums here. work, Brian. And here, here's how we're going to do this. So, Maxime, ultimately, our last topic, this take the huddles money, is going to make Wes and Connor compete, which they do naturally do. Like when they came in earlier today, they had this weird little spat about the articles they wrote. So it's going to happen. But our job is to kind of flame that shit up. Yeah. So watch this. Wes, do you agree with anything that Connor just said? Like, do you, do you think he was right as he was putting that out? Were you surprised that he was available at 14? I, was I felt surprised. like he said you were, yeah. No, I was surprised when he was there at 14. Actually, I think that... Connor, he's saying you're wrong. I'm just making sure you're hearing that he's saying you're wrong. <laughs> I think Go ahead. The... Explain why Connor was wrong. Well, I think that the Warriors were more surprised that Moody... Like, if you told... Okay, if you, like, pulled random Warriors front office executive, hey, who has a better shot at being there at 14, Davian Mitchell or Moses Moody? I think they would have said Davian Mitchell... And then they would have been really happy about taking Mitchell at 14. Um, Chris Duarte, 14 made a lot of sense for them, but you kept hearing stuff going up to the draft, and who knows what to make of it. But like, yeah, he was uh, available. He was an option all the way up at like 10 or 11. I thought that was like reaching a little bit. But I whatever. mean, he went 13. That's not far off. Exactly. So um, I actually wasn't super shocked that Duarte was 
wasn't there. But yeah, um, yeah I thought that Mitchell would have been the guy to slide, not Moody. Yeah. But the fact that Moody, look, I, I, I always go back to this, and I understand that Moody has a seven-one wingspan, and that all of Warriors Twitter wanted Moses Moody, and I, I get all of that, and that I. I was on the Davian Mitchell wagon for a really long time, and he's old and doesn't have the metrics and doesn't have the wingspan and all these things that like Twitter obsesses about, but I just watch him play, and he was the best player on the floor of the entire NCAA tournament, and Moses Moody was garbage in the NCAA tournament. Huh. Like, he wasn't very good. And I'm not trying to attack Moses. Like, he had a really, really yeah. good regular season for Arkansas. He just didn't play well in the tournament. But like I, I, I think that teams, like when teams are picking, they tend to value those ball skills and basketball feel stuff that you can't teach, just like wingspan. You sure. can't teach that stuff more than I think average like mock draft person, NBA yeah. Redditor does. So, yeah, um, yeah I, you know, when you, in retrospect, wasn't shocking that Mitchell went at nine. Mitchell went above James Booknight. I mean, like, this yeah. is a guy, like Booknight was another guy that all the Warriors Twitter seemed to want, and he just slid, and it wasn't just past the Warriors. Yeah. I actually thought that was a good pick by Sacramento, by the way. But at, at nine, I think actually good value at nine, even though a lot of people thought he'd slide further. Um, but Moody, to your point, Moody didn't play well against good teams in college. Uh, he kind of he, he kind of padded his numbers against really bad teams. If you look at his his season at Arkansas, he, he shot super well against bad teams. Shot horribly against good teams. Did not play super well in high stakes moments. Disappeared for prolonged stretches in meaningful games. Um, I'm not sold on him as a player. I like what I've seen of, of him as a person. Um, I think he could be a guy who washes out of the league in a few years. I'm not saying he will be, but I think there's a chance. Uh, who I would have taken at at 14 would be Trey Murphy out of Virginia. I think he's got a higher floor. I think you went super high upside at 7 with Kaminga. I think you needed to take someone who is completely reliable at 14. That would have been Trey Murphy based off who was available. Moody, to me, is not that. Moody has more upside just because he's younger, but he doesn't have a ton of upside because he's not a great athlete. Is the report, Wes, you've already thrown this out here. I just want to confirm it with both of you guys. I've read enough articles suggesting one of the reasons I was excited about it is, hey, they were considering Moody at seven, but they got him at 14. So it's almost like they got two picks at the price of one. Is that true from what you guys have heard? Is there at least some sources suggesting they were considering Moody at seven? They weren't. As far as I know, they weren't considering him at least a good week leading up to the draft at seven. They had when earlier in the earlier stages of the conversation, he had been up there as a possibility at seven. But when they were getting down into war room territory, he was not a real possibility at seven. No. Um, early in the process, him and Davian Mitchell were options at seven. They kind of slid back to more of options at 14. I think that might have reflected where they thought the draft was headed and yeah. what the guys that they thought they could get at 14, so maybe they thought they didn't have to reach. And then other guys, too. It wasn't so much them sliding, I don't think. It was just other guys rising. Yeah. You know, guys like Book Knight, uh, Franz Wagner, Kaminga potentially being there at 7 when they didn't think that that was going to be an option before. Um, and ultimately, they obviously went with Kaminga. But, yeah, I think, yeah, Moody was a guy that they were looking at early on, but not not at the, the last stage. To me, the names I kept hearing in, like, the couple days before the draft were Kaminga, Giddy, Wagner. Those three. Yeah. Giddy obviously went six to Oklahoma City, so it was between Kaminga and Wagner. Yep. 
And I don't, I, I don't think there was a consensus in that war room. I didn't Kuminga. know how to react to either. So we're going to talk about Kaminga next. And I'm excited to hear what you boys have to say. When the Kaminga pick was announced, I was in a sports bar and I clapped loudly. But I think I did that to try to convince myself. You know, like I don't really know what the hell is going to go down. I remember all the concerns. We'll hear them from you guys. The Moody thing, I gave a genuine fist pump to. But I think that's because I had previously read that they were considering well, I, him at seven. I, I think I'm higher I think that's on how me. a lot of fans feel. It's <laughs> like, oh, it's good value. You know, that's, all, that's all we have to go off of. There's also exactly another right. guy like Memphis trade up to 10 and everybody's like, oh, they're targeting Moody yeah. here or a wing or something like that. So there was a, like, like Book Knight was surprising. He slid to 11. I think Book Knight and Moody were two guys that a lot of teams liked but didn't love enough to take, right? And that's how all this stuff ends up because you only take one guy with your pick. I also, if I'm being totally transparent, was hoping for Book Knight at 14, even though it wasn't going to happen, even though they didn't get past 11. And so I celebrated Moody at 14 to try to convince myself, no, he's just as good at Book Knight. <laughs> And I, I don't think I don't think I was successful in that endeavor. How'd you feel when they announced him? I mean, overall, I think this is a, maybe a, a bigger problem, right? Because I was both very excited about Kaminga and very excited about Moody, and also very excited about Wiseman. And at, the, at a certain point, if I'm making all of the picks correct, there's probably something wrong in general, right? And I, <laughs> I think the, I mean, the issue, right, is what Wes said right at the beginning. He's 19. That gives me a lot of pause, especially when we all know that Kaminga is a huge project. That's a big concern. And then the other thing that I heard is that, um, you know, basically Kaminga was picked because, like I said, like it went out to dinner with him, right? And the amount of information we're getting from what's gone on since the draft about how involved Lacob is in the war room also gives me pause because at the end of the day, like he's not really trained to do this stuff, no, right? No. Like Bob Myers is. Well, let's right? think about this because Joe Lacob takes over this team. They're, they have Steph Curry in place. Mark Jackson is having a relative amount of success. He hire, he goes out to hire Steve Kerr, gets Bob all this stuff, right? He gets his guys. The Warriors well. immediately are winning championships. Immediately. They're winning championships at that point, at those decisions. He doesn't have to touch anything at that point. Hey, it's, it's working. You know, he put all the pieces together. Clockmaker theory, it's all going. And then they miss the playoffs two years in a row. What do we know about Joe Lacob? It's, he's impatient. Fame, like to his own admission, famously so, impatient and takes the reins when he doesn't think things are going the right way. And so this is the draft he was most heavily involved in, more than last year. This this draft he was had more influence than he ever has, and it's because he believes, hey, we need to get things going. And I, everything I've touched in my entire life, basically, as a professional, has turned to gold. And add a piece, man. So yes, he, he comes in, he takes over ownership, and then I would imagine in his own head, this is me projecting, this would be what I would think if I was Joe Lacob. But he's envisioned himself as having added a philosophy. Mm-hmm. right? He comes in here and he mm-hmm. changes over the entire culture, and for as long as they're following his blueprint, his culture, they're winning championships. Mm-hmm. You know, Then we hit these two injury-riddled years, things kind of got off the track, and if you're him, you're thinking, well, I need to get back in there. You know, like my philosophy isn't necessarily being right. completely followed. They need my iron hand leadership. And here it sounds like that's exactly what's happening. Well, if it were up to Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, right? These are, uh, this is a GM and a head coach who just missed the postseason two years in a row. Any other, on any other team, their jobs are in jeopardy, right? Any other organization, not this one, I'm not saying they are, True. but yeah. any other organization. If it were up to Bob Myers and up to Steve Kerr, they'd be like, Go get me the 23-year-old in the draft. Go get me the guy who can play right away. I don't care about upside because I might not be around five, six years from now when that mm-hmm. player starts hitting his upside. Who's the only player in that room with a vested interest in that player's six-year window? It's Joe Lacob. You mean the person who owns Chase Center that that's wants right. to make sure he can put asses in seats? I'm not saying there. that's the wrong thing, but that like, if he wants, but if he wants that perspective to carry any weight in that in that war room, he's the one that has to bring it to the table because Bob Myers and Steve Kerr aren't doing that. Give me a Kaminga take, Connor. 
So exactly as we did with Moses Moody, something good, something bad about the selection. Well, let me just preface that by saying I loved the Kaminga pick. Um, I think I was much higher on it than than Wes. And I'll also be completely transparent. Wes is a much better talent evaluator. (laughs) Oh, damn it. Why'd you say that? I was just about to follow you 100%. I'll be honest. This is fuck West Town. If he doesn't like Kuminga. I'm trying to make up for our earlier spat. No, I don't want that. I'm trying to divide you guys. (laughs) That was off the radio. (laughs) That's why I brought it up. Come on, fight me. There we go. That a boy, Wes. Um, (laughs) No, but let me just say, I'm I'm a big fan of the Kaminga pick for this reason. Because you want to write a story on him. <laughs> okay. Not as well, good as he's, he's he's working a budget right now to pitch to the San Francisco Chronicle to send him to the Congo right now. Um, <laughs> take take your time. That, man, that is part of it. But at, from a basketball standpoint, I loved the Kaminga pick because it was a big swing for the fences. I mean, it, it was a sexy pick. It was a flashy pick. It was a fun pick. And look, at the end of the day, I get paid to write about this team. I want what's fun. I want what's interesting. He is all those things. More uh, Franz Wagner is not that. I, you know what's all. fun and interesting? Covering the NBA Finals. <laughs> hey, you know who's done that? Me. <laughs> so Three I. times. No, you haven't. Once. <laughs> I don't know why I think you guys are competitive. I have no idea where I got that from. And this <laughs> is the 2019 Finals. <laughs> Not as a, yeah, We're definitely not, as, not covering the on, logistics of how many finals fucking Connor anyway. has covered. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, taking away my credentials over here. Um, no, but the, 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 it was a great pick because I think he has all the potential in the world. He has exponentially more potential than anyone else that was available there. I've made the Jalen Brown comparison. I personally really like that comparison. I covered Jalen Brown while he was at Cal. In person? In person. Just like I, the twenty nineteen. In person bonus. was out Cal basketball games actually. <laughs> and he was he was not very impressive at Cal because he did not shoot very well. He looked like he didn't really know how to play basketball. In retrospect, Consul Martin didn't know how to use him, but he still went number three overall to Boston. He played okay as a as a rookie. He averaged about six points per game, fifteen minutes per game, but was slowly easing the rotation, bigger and bigger role was brought along slowly. By year four, he is a borderline legitimate all-star player, yep. just just reached his first all-star game, uh, is one of the best two-way players in the league. He's only 24 years old. I think that best-case scenario, Jonathan Kaminga can follow that exact same trajectory because he has all the physical tools. And what I will say is anyone who listens to my podcast, who listens to me on any podcast, or reads me knows that I love the G League. I watch the G League bubble pretty closely. You like minor leagues. You I just, just love, like minor leagues. I just yeah. love, yeah. You like Anyone who's not relevant, I love. And, <laughs> I mean, anyone who's, like, not a big deal, I love. That's why we're friends. <laughs> I wasn't going to make that joke, Wes. I thought it was important that somebody did. It really was, but it couldn't be me. Um, but uh, his first three okay, games. Cover the his first finals. three games. <laughs> his first three Neither games in the G League bubble, he looked like. A generational talent, like his that game again. Go watch the film again against Santa Cruz. He looked like a future perennial all star, and you don't. That doesn't happen by a fluke. Like yes, yes, he regressed over the course of the G League bubble, but what we saw in those three games was real. And all the what the Warriors have to do is they have to just tap into those three games. What made him special in those three games, they have to expand that into an everyday thing. And I think it's doable. 
and I think he's going to I think he can be phenomenal. I went down a Kaminga rabbit hole right before the evening of the draft. Um, and I watched a bunch of YouTube highlights and it started with the G League stuff and I went back to the high school stuff and three things stuck out to me. One, the short shorts. Weird, man. Like, oh my God, those are very, very short shorts. Age, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Two, the effort wasn't always there. In fact, there were literally occasional plays in the G League. Do you guys remember the end of the Lakers series against Phoenix when LeBron realized it was over and he very literally didn't cross over half court yeah. on the final few possessions? There is a couple of those with Kaminga where weird. he didn't even fucking get across half court, which doesn't make any sense. I mean, we're talking yeah. about a very large setting. He knew scouts were there and he still wasn't putting all of it in it. But the third point, and at least to me the most important was, it was also dotted with holy shit moments. There are times when his athleticism, his physical presence, just the athlete that he is, jumps off those those uh, YouTube highlights so much that I understood immediately why they made that. You know, if you're gonna, if you have a dollar to spend, would I want to spend it on a ten million dollar lottery or one million dollar lottery? Yeah. They decided to go for the ten million. You know, they they went for the much higher upside with the much lower floor. We'll see. I'm happy they did, but I can understand some of the concerns. Yeah, and I want to just give the cliff notes to Connor's scouting report there for a second. Basically, the guy's six foot eight, two hundred and ten pounds, super athletic, but didn't play well. Seven foot wingspan. Okay, didn't did not play well though. Which, like Jalen Brown, didn't play well. So, if you're a scout and you're looking for guys who didn't play well, then they nailed it, right? Like, <laughs> like hey, this guy didn't play well. Maybe he'll play better for us. Like, crushed it. So, <laughs> Maxime, I don't want you to laugh at that, dude. He's shit-housing our pit. We need this to work out for us. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I, I, did you I not hear the whole thing logic. about those three games, though? He no, played. I stopped listening before that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, no, if no, the no, audio thinking... feed cuts out, it's because these two finally threw blows. <laughs> know that they love each other. You know, it's just it just finally happened. The, no, the three-game flashes were, were there. It's alarming to me that they happened early in the J League stint and not... Yeah, Later. I think that it, I understand the concerns. Yeah, um, uh, Jalen Green. The reason, part of the reason he went number two is he got better over yeah. the course of the J League bubble. That matters. And what, from what I've heard, he got he didn't handle Jalen Green's rise very well. I, I think there was some internal ish mm. going on in that team. He didn't once the star of Jalen Green mm. started to rise. I don't think that Jonathan Kaminga handled that particularly well. That and that on, does, that's that, not that doesn't bode well for him. That could I, be I'll on Kaminga. It could be on the coaching. You don't know. I, I, everything you hear is that Brian Shaw did a really nice job. But um, it could be like, hey, we don't really have a role for you right now. Kind of like the Wiseman situation last year in Golden State. Like, Is it really on Wiseman or is it on the coaching staff not really finding a, uh, a role for him? But part of the reason why Kaminga's stock fell was not just because of his his play at the G League bubble, but because of concerns about him as a person. Like, you know, when you're investing tens of millions of dollars in a player, you're doing your research. And, you know, he was shut down early in the G League bubble because he was told by his advisors to shut down. Um, even though he had a pretty minor injury, could have played through it. He shut down. Um, and he has a reputation for being a bit of a loner for being someone who doesn't like to necessarily interact with his teammates. Um, and for some people, that's a red flag. I'm not saying it should be, but for some people that is a red flag. And that is part of why his stock fell. I'm going to give you the most rosy, optimistic view on this that I possibly can. And then we're going to flip over to a new topic, but here it is. I've been throwing this out 
frequently under the Lakeb ownership. And what I say is that under Lakeb, for God knows what reason, maybe we're finally being rewarded for all these shit burger years we had at Warriors fans. But generally speaking, bad things happen for good reasons under Lakeb. I'll give you an example. Steph hurts his ankle. It's awful. We're all considering his future. We don't know what the hell is going to happen. He signs a contract at way below the market that he would have gotten had he not hurt his ankle. What happens? They use that money. They sign Iguodala. They begin a dynasty. Off we go to the races. Now we're on the other side of these three championships, right? There is a window, maybe not a probable one, but there is a window that this Kuminga thing is an accumulation of a bunch of bad things that happen for good reasons. The Warriors lose to Memphis. If they hadn't Right, the the there well, if they hadn't, they wouldn't have had the exact same pick. The way that Kuminga has dealt with all of these off the floor things and all the concerns he's had, that his brother hasn't necessarily returned calls to all these teams, he slips down. There is a possible world we look back on this. We fast forward three years from now when everyone's looking at this draft. How the hell did Kuminga slip to seven? How the hell did he go to Golden State? This is how the hell it happened. Good or bad things happened for good reasons. Is there a chance that we're also fucked? You know, that, that, he, <laughs> that he busts out? Yeah, I understand that. Um, but if what we're doing is banking on a team whose culture is the main reason why we believe in their immediate future, in addition to Steph's talent, then I believe in their culture's ability to turn this guy's attitude around. Okay. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think it was a worthy investment, and I think it's going to work. I like you more than Wes right now. I'm just going to tell you that. His okay thing sub really belittling. I didn't like that at all. That a boy, Connor. <laughs> Fuck Wes. And it is going to be fascinating to see how they handle his rookie year, though, because it's going to be hard. Oh, I it's going to be a nightmare. Um, is he going to... So here's a follow-up for Kuminga. The popular thing is now that he will take over the smiley role. All we're going to see is him going back and forth to the G League. Do you guys agree with that? I think, no. that's, I think that's an overstatement. No, they you, don't. They don't want to send him to the. G no, League. you you go tell Joe Lake up the guy he wanted is playing in Santa Cruz and not at the one point two billion dollar chase center. <laughs> he won't return my calls, Wes. I've been calling Joe like left and right 1. so far. 4. I actually, I, I I for some reason brought up the price of the chase center to him once, and he's like one point four. I actually spent more on it. Um, is this team right now? So there's a full off season ahead of us. We're going to be dropping predictions for that off season. But right now, after this draft, is this team better than last year's roster? Yeah. Clay's coming back. Um, well, that alone. That's, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah. And I think they know what they are. Like, they discovered what they were at the end of last year, even with some of the same personnel, right? Like, they, they just figure it out. So I think this team will be better this coming year. And I will say this. Under Joe Lakeup, like, Okay. Like they've had a lot of winning and stuff like that. Normally, after two, after you know Kevin Durant leaves and, and like, stuff like that, they win three championships. Wes, I mean, it's not a lot of winning and stuff like that. They win three fucking championships and win the five finals. You know, stuff. I mean, that means something to, <laughs> to some people. He has a governing finals. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that they've you've covered two. We're not sure yet. Three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fact that they've missed the playoffs for two years in a row. And have picked three times in the lottery in two years and haven't lost any of their stars outside of Kevin Durant, who everybody kind of knew that was happening, uh, is pretty remarkable. Okay, great, great point and transitions perfectly to this next question. So the one thing that Warrior fans are freaking out about, at least as of right now, is the suggestion that they have now picked the future over the present. Right. Yeah. That instead of trading these two picks, instead of going all in for Bradley Beal or whoever the hell else it would be, they have actually selected people at seven and fourteen, and they selected people who we just identified as not having 
an immediate role, right? So the idea is maybe they're pissing people off. Steph's title window's closing. Draymond is getting older. I mean, all this shit is happening. But on the other side of this coin, we are heard more than um, one source reporting that Steph is close to signing this four-year deal, that he is now going to re-up at historic numbers, $215 million for four years. Does that, that Steph's news that he's going to re-up, does that mean that he tacitly approves this approach, that he is on board and that he's not pissed off that they went young? I think it does. I mean, I think I don't know if it means, hey, I'm gonna put my stamp out of approval on this, but it does. It doesn't mean that, hey, it like what Damian Lillard's got like this wait and see thing happening with Portland. That's not what Steph is doing, right? He's just like, look, I'm here. I'll play it out, uh, and I believe in this. But he's also looking around that locker room and he's like, you know, I got Damian Lillard, I got Clay Thompson. We've done this. We've been here before. And if you add a couple of veterans in the offseason, then we're really cooking, right? Yeah. Uh, where Damian Lillard on the con, he's like. Okay, cool. I've got like Robert Covington. Awesome. Like, you know, a new coach who I've never played with. Cool. Like a GM who has shown time and time again not to be able to get it done. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, I think I, I don't know that Steph and like, look, Bob Myers tells the story that like, hey, before we even drafted Kaminga, Draymond Green was texting me Kaminga. Before we drafted Moody, he was texting me Moody. Maybe he was also texting him other names. <laughs> like, I... I don't know. I'm just saying. Don't you ruin that for me. I really <laughs> like that story. I don't no, want your stupid follow that, that little anecdote blew up on social media. It did. As it should. Um, I don't care about any of that. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I still fundamentally think, and this idea that, hey, rookies don't really help you, so you might as well take a swing. I don't know. I just saw Tyler Hero a couple years ago, who was deemed an NBA-ready type of rookie, picked at 14, help the Heat get to the finals. I saw Tyrese Halliburton play pretty good, not for a Kings team that was any good, but you're telling me Halliburton couldn't help a team last year? There are rookies who can help right away in today's game. Like, there are. They're playing NBA-type basketball from AAU on. There were guys who could have helped them immediately at 7. They have clearly decided, you know what? With these picks, we're going to take swings, or at least with number 7, we're going to take a swing here. And, you know, we're I'm going to think about 7, 8 years from now where... There probably were other guys on that board where they could help more right away. So I don't think they're taking an all-in approach. Maxim, did you have the over or under on 17 minutes before Wes mentioned the eight? Because I think I had the under, and I feel like I just won. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, we're at 30 minutes, but sure. Oh, damn it. God damn it. <laughs> and I checked my watch, too, and it was super wrong on that. Was that the first time I mentioned the heat? I, mean, I don't know. I was just desperate to make that joke. Connor, um, give, right. us that exact, <laughs> give us that exact same answer. Um, um, look... I think Steph was gonna sign regardless. regardless. I don't. I don't really think there's a direct correlation on in terms of how he feels about the current state of the roster. I think he was gonna sign regardless. I think there's a loyalty there. I think there's a, a trust there. Um, look, if he was like like the the metaphor or comparison that's that Wes made, if he was in a Damian Lillard situation, would he do what he's doing now? Maybe not, but. He Luckily, has won championships in Golden State. They've he, proven it. The, yeah. Well, he, he knows yeah. he's covered all three. <laughs> yeah. So there's a track record there, and I think there's a confidence there that they're going to do what they can. The reality is, like, and I know Warriors fans don't want to hear this, but like, Uh-oh. Bob Myers is in a tough spot right now. And he, he had a quote the other day basically saying, someone asked basically, like, what are the chances of you guys vaulting back into contention next season and he's he basically said something to the extent of it depends on clay and people were brutal to bob when they heard that quote on social media saying like oh you know you're putting it all on clay yeah because honestly given the situation that the warriors are in 
they don't have a lot of options right now. Like, you're going to be really, if you're thinking they're going to have this super splashy free agency, you're going to be super disappointed because Nick Batum is like a best case scenario right now. Like, and he already that, signed. So. And he already signed, apparently, <laughs> well, since we've been talking, probably. Yeah. So, uh, Patty Mills at this point. Two so, years, which kills me. So, yeah. like, that's best case scenario right yeah. now. So, uh, because they're so deep, deep into the luxury tax, and they just don't have a lot of pass. A sign and trade with Ubre is not going to happen. And so, yeah, if they're going to be contenders next season, not only does Clay have to be great, but he has to be the same type of glue that he was pre-injury. Like, he, everything has to come together around him, which isn't a guarantee, and that's not even really on Clay. That's on the pieces that have been put around him. Yeah. And, the, and Bob Myers is also in a tough spot, too, not only because of everything you said, which I agree with. Um, Shit. It's, sorry. Like... <laughs> Uh, ownership is clearly saying win right now, but also I'm making sure that we're we've got pieces in place to sell tickets yep. eight years from now, and that's a really tough spot for Bob Myers to be. Like, hey, you want me to win when we're this deep in the luxury tax? We've agreed to pay our stars what they deserve and everything like that, but this is this this is it now. This is what we got, and we have assets like number seven and number fourteen and number two last year and all these things. And maybe I want to make some moves. Maybe I want to trade down from number two last year to go get a center who could play for us right away. Maybe I want to move around with seven to go get a role player instead of a Bradley Beal type, a player who can help us right away. But his hands are tied right now, and he's being expected to be like, well, you got Steph, Clay, and Draymond. We won final. We won a finals even before Kevin Durant that way. Just go do it again. His owner is literally saying that. Literally, literally saying Literally coming that. out and dropping those kind of quotes. Yeah. Um, we're going to focus on what the Warriors can add around Steph. Let me add this, and then we'll move on. Enjoy him. So I've, I've said this so many goddamn times, mm-hmm. but the the risk that Warrior fans run is having the same kind of sense of entitlement you'd have if you were born into a mansion, you know, and that like you were just used to having 19 rooms and 18 bathrooms and all the shit that comes with that. Superstars don't just automatically re-sign regardless of how the team is fucking doing. They don't automatically take an 18-win team into five finals and three championships. This shit doesn't just happen. You know, we are so lucky to have been born into this mansion. So next year, while you're walking around it, enjoy it because we're probably never going to see this again. You know, this is just another chapter in that book. Well, I want to follow up to that because we all know that Lacob is a self-made man, right? And that he really worked hard to get the amount of money that he has. But to Wes's earlier point, he kind of did walk into the mansion that is the Warriors, sure. right? He didn't build that house at all. So it is kind of concerning to me that he might be like he actually should be the person to hear what you just said more than anybody else. And that that has, you know, some pretty intense ramifications for me. Like, look, I want to be somebody that goes and watches Steph Curry and enjoys it perennially or at least for the next four to six years or whatever. You know, but at a certain point, we need a little bit more. If he had bought a team that didn't already have Steph on it, would he have won three titles? And he would tell you that, hey, this was just me making a good investment, right? Because he was trying to get involved in the Boston owner. Well, he was a minority owner. He tried to to buy 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 the A's, too. He tried to buy, um, which wouldn't have been a good investment. (laughs) Um, But I look, we could debate Joe Lacob's approach here. There is another world where it's like, hey, you know what? This is light years ahead. He did decide to go get Kaminga and Wiseman sure. right now. And look at the West right now. Does, is there a favorite? I think it's wide open, especially with Kawhi being hurt. And even with Kawhi, if Kawhi were healthy on the Clippers, I think it would still be wide open. This is a Western Conference that's wide Jamal Murray in Denver, he's hurt. Wide open Western Conference. They still could potentially get to where it is that they want to go 
and have their cake and eat it too. Like there is a world where that happens. So there is a world where this all does work out. Yeah. It all just keeps coming up Joe Lake up. Yeah. Like there, there, there's, there's Let's a scenario. But so we could think we could we could debate that approach. But factually, if you want if if you were to ask Joe Lake up, hey, are you going really all, are you going all in on Steph Curry's the rest of Steph Curry's prime years? And if he said anything other than no, it would be a lie. Yeah. I, look, the, what we learned in the draft is that the Warriors don't agree with me. I mean, we, we have said, at least what, what I did learned. you want to no, What we said a thousand times is you can't both develop and yeah. pursue a championship. Mm-hmm. They don't agree. Unless there's a trade coming, they don't agree. You know, And so I will immediately concede that those boys over there know a lot more about basketball than I do. And so I hope that they've made this call right. But the two resounding messages we got was, yes, we can. Fuck you guys. We can develop. And we saw that. They hired a bunch of development coaches. We can't be surprised by this. That's, that's exactly what they did before they did it. We, they called their shot. They didn't hire development coaches to go after veterans. They did them to help out the 7 and 14 picks. Yeah. And look, I... I think a lot of people saw that they hired this development staff and said, you know what, that's because we're going to take a swing at seven. And I don't think the two things are linked that closely. Hmm. I think there's an understanding that chances are we're going to take two rookies. And maybe one is super raw, maybe one is a little bit further along, but at the end of the day, they're both going to still be rookies and we need to develop them in some way, shape, or form. And also there's an understanding that when they had Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston signed as sixth and seventh men, that Steph Curry was playing well below his contract, like well below his earning potential. That Draymond was playing well below his market rate. Clay Thompson, same thing too. And now, if you're going to try to reform that full of a rotation, it's going to take development from not only seven and fourteen, but Jordan Poole, Juan Descano, Anderson, all these young guys who still have, a, who are very far from their from their peaks. Different topic, totally different direction. Before we get to the win the huddles money, so we normally do this Warriors Oracle segment, which is like our you know the the mailbag for us, but it also ventures into personal questions. And a while back, we had Connor on, and Connor was nice enough to admit some crazy, embarrassing shit that happened at work. He asked a gentrification question to Draymond that that wasn't well perceived, and I've given a few and. We're not going to do a full Warriors Oracle section today, but I do have a question here that's aimed directly at you. Kevin from San Diego writes in to say, quote, Connor told us about his embarrassing work story with his gentrification question for Draymond, and Medina came clean too. Please ask Wes what his most embarrassing moment at a press conference was, and we'll all take away press conference. What's your most embarrassing moment as a beat writer? Mm-hmm. And before you give that to, uh, to give you a little bit of leeway and some time to think, I'll give you an embarrassing story for me. I've admitted into this microphone that off the air, I'm an attorney. And before I started working, I did a bunch of internships. Yeah, And I did one at this very big law firm that I thought was like so crazy important. And we were in trial, which is like the moment that means the most. And right before lunch, the lead attorney came to me and asked me to, to perfect, to finish off this PowerPoint he was going to be using for his closing argument. And I'd never felt fucking more important. Right? Like it was, it was, he came to me, he gave me this thing. All I was doing is changing a couple slides, but whatever, dude, I felt like I was the man. I open it up, change one slide and delete the entire fucking thing. Literally the entire thing disappeared. And there was a 30 second stretch where I considered running out of the courtroom, getting in my car and driving home. And like, and that was real. That was, I was going to do that and had that happened I would not be an attorney I don't know what I would be a barista somewhere I don't I don't know what I've been I would have bounced and at the last second I remembered no 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 if you just uh, click out of the program delete the program say don't save you'll go back to where it was but there was a moment where I I was alone in a Vallejo courtroom throwing it all away like the whole thing was going to end so we've all you know we've all had those kind of moments with that in tow most embarrassing work scenario for you 
Um, all right. So it hasn't been a lot, but um, we do know that this last season, as reporters, we had to do everything on Zoom, right? So um, I think your worst case, like your worst nightmare on Zoom is like, oh my god, the camera's on, and I've been walking well, around in my underwear, right? No, I don't think so. Okay, um, there is a story that is really funny. Uh, <laughs> wow. Or like, you know, like your camera's on when you don't mean it to, or, you know, you're, you're, you're not muted when you thought you were muted and you were saying something. So I've been so careful for like the last, like the first couple months of this Zoom season. And I'm, Steve Kerr is doing like a press conference and, on Zoom and I'm sitting there and I have nothing to ask so I'm just chilling I'm just dictating the notes and I'm just doing my thing getting ready to sell my sto- uh, write my story and all of a sudden Steve Kerr is in the middle of an answer and I hear my voice <laughs> on Zoom asking a question and my mouth's not moving <laughs> telepathy so, <laughs> and at the same time Steve Kerr and I share the same exact look of confusion like why the fuck is this guy talking right now? <laughs> and and Steve goes, and my voice is just going. Just it doesn't. It's just going. And Steve's like trying to give his answer. There's no like we've heard this. Like somebody starts talking. Oh crap! My, I'm a mute. And it's like last second. No, I'm going. And I'm ter- I am horrified on the other end of the Zoom call. Like why don't I stop talking? Well, um, Steve goes. Whoever's talking, like I'm, I'll, I'll get to your question when I'm done. Ta- when I'm finished answering this other question. And he was visibly frustrated, as he should be. And I'm just like, oh my god, what have I done somehow? <laughs> and, and then Raymond Ritter, the wonderful PR guy for the Warriors, says something like, I think that was Wes. For some reason, <laughs> outs me on the Zoom call. For, for some reason, I'm sure it was your voice, dude, as you just explained. That's why he heard your voice interrupting Steve Kerr. So then Steve finishes his response to the previous question, and he goes, Wes, did you have something that you wanted to ask me? And I go... No, I'm just as confused as you are right now. <laughs> and <laughs> which makes it seem like you have Tourette's or something like and he I, there's no way he buys my excuse at all. He's like this guy is such an asshole. Uh, he hasn't even covered a single finals in person. Like I don't even know what his problem is. <laughs> Did you figure out what the fuck happened? So, I get a text like a moment later from Connor saying, "My bad. <laughs> I had a window up. I wasn't muted." And uh, for some reason, like one of these like autoplay videos popped up with a video of the press conference, and the 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 one question that was asked of Steve Kerr in this pop up looping like autoplay video was something I was asking Steve Kerr. Of course, it was. It wasn't like the hundred of other reporters that cover the Warriors. And I'm just like, well, thanks for bailing me out there. I just like totally ate <laughs> shit for no reason. I never would have. So, Connor, some follow-ups, but first a follow-up to you, Maxime. If that was you and you're Connor, that happens, right? So, like, you're sitting there, your computer malfunctions, whatever happens, and now Wes's voice is playing out, but it's your fault. Would you, during the press conference, jump on the grenade, that's me, or would you let Wes take the punch? Because I would let Wes take the punch. Oh, we punch. know you would, Les. Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah, answer for me, Maxime. Just settle down. You can just give your answer. You don't need to answer the whole before, world. Before you answer, Maxime, can I just point out one other um, point of information here? Throughout the first couple months of the season, Connor would repeatedly be not muted, and I would text him as a buddy, hey man, oh, oh, mute your shit. Unnecessary. Get off your high horse, Wes. <laughs> Jesus. All right, what's your answer? Well, so the thing is, is I, I'm... It's different because this is actually your job, and I know you you like you take it seriously, and you don't want people to think that you're schmucks or whatever. But like, right. for example, 
I don't know if anybody stuck around to watch the post. Like, literally, Giannis had just won the finals and was on the podium for a Zoom call. And, like, people are, like, sneaking in there being like, oh, Giannis, like, how's it feel? Like, get your dick. Or whatever, like just like completely outlandish shit. No, well, just like wait, no, no, it was. I'm gonna feel like no, there wasn't a dick that question. No, there absolutely was, and it wasn't Giannis. Um, it was. I can't remember who they asked it to, but it was like, how does it feel to? Anyways, um, that will all be bleeped. Uh, the um, the point I'm trying to make is, from an outsider's perspective, seeing a conference um a session <laughs> take place. Was it Connor? Seeing it take place over Zoom, like really like, you know, we've all been, and to your point, like in these ridiculous situations where people mess stuff up and whatever, like I don't think anybody, you know, takes it super seriously to the point that if I were Connor, I would 100% because I wouldn't feel super worried about any ramifications other than helping my boy Wes out say like, oh my bad, that was me. And then literally everybody on the call be like, either, yep, I've had that same problem or wow, I'm like, I would have had that problem if time had passed long enough. So Connor, what happened? So why did it happen, and why didn't you jump on the grenade? Uh, I was looking, I was looking something up. I want to say it was actually, I think I was actually reading a Mercury News article. I think I was. Don't say, don't sound so surprised when you say I that. Was, I, mean, I know, no. Actually, I, I, was, I was reading. Our subscription rates are low. I Jeez. was reading a Wes Goldberg article, and they had like a video embedded of him asking a question and. Because uh, I was, you know, sometimes in those, I'm not going to lie, sometimes in those Zoom availabilities, you're kind of half paying attention because you know that there's nothing that you need to be paying attention to <laughs> in that moment. And so I was... Just being muted. And so I was reading my friend Wes and uh, all of a sudden Wes's voice and I don't think anything of it. And then I notice, because I'm kind of half paying attention to the Zoom call, I notice... Steve Kerr get kind of awkward and feel interrupted and I'm like what's up with Steve and I click on the zoom again and oh my bad (laughs) except he didn't say my bad well also (laughs) let the record so I was expecting as this story unfolded I've heard this off the air so when Wes started I knew where we were going and I was expecting Connor to get angry or embarrassed something what he got was tired this full started well yawning as we were telling the story are you not like mortified by this thing does this not really even hit you in a nasty place I mean I've I've come to I've come to terms with it. My, I'm like texting the PR guy. I'm like, can you please tell Steve I'm not an asshole? Of course you were. Like, I'm just like, please let him Also, know. in related news, when, Steve Kerr so, thinks you're an asshole. There's no question about that. When I was in high school, I was the editor-in-chief uh, of my high school paper. And the senior... And, and the last... In person? <laughs> did you cover any finals? The, the last, uh, the last paper of the year, we would do this thing, the most likely to is for all the seniors. And... People's friends would do a most likely to, and it was always like something fun. Like if you were, if, you know, whatever. If you were like the star, uh, like guitarist in the band, you would get like most likely to melt your face or something stupid like that, right? Yours was but most likely to fuck over West during a press conference. My most likely to in the school paper my senior year of high school was <laughs> most likely to embarrass himself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, luckily you didn't. You embarrassed me. Exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, fuck those people. They were wrong. 
we've are we on this podcast we've shared multiple examples of me embarrassing himself and then I, I kind of indirectly embarrassed myself through Wes here so not at all well I'll tell you what let's give you an opportunity to uh, succeed in the eyes of the public we finally move to our last topic the one I'm looking the most forward to this one's brand new boys it's called take the huddles money so we are sitting on the precipice of a just giant offseason. Giant. Um, what happens in these next few months will certainly dictate how this season plays out. It might dictate a lot further than that. And so I came up with some questions, five of them, in fact, that detail how this year could play out. But prediction questions without any kind of punch at the end? Who gives a shit? I'd like there to be some kind of stakes. So reached out to our boys at the Athletic Club Oakland. They have dropped us a $100 to play around with today. And here's my proposition for you guys. I got, like I said, five questions, all of which ultimately will have answers. They are focusing on this off season. Whichever of you boys answers the most questions gets, or most questions accurately, gets $100 for us to spend at the athletic club on drinks, food, whatever the hell you want to do it. But Maxime and I are just not going to stand by. If you're going to take our money, we're going to fight for it. So, it is a three-man team. We have the Bay Area News Group, represented by Wes. We have the San Francisco Chronicle, represented by Connor. And we have the Warriors Huddle, represented by Maxime and I. We will go through these questions. And whoever it is who gets the most answers gets the money. Here's our first. Name three players the Warriors will add before the season, or season, before the season as a signing. So, this is not trades. I've got a question via trades later on. These are only off-season sign-ins before the season begins. You can give me three names, and every name that you get right counts as a point. Maxime and I will go first. I was really hoping you guys didn't see the Batum shit. I'm like, I'm like, honest <laughs> to God. Like, so as we were recording here, Maxime shot me over his phone. It said Batum. Yeah, Boutine. yeah, I saw that exchange. Okay. I knew it was about Batum. Batum, yeah, that's so it. There we were was. On the same page. I we could have left Connor out. I was we trying all... to. I didn't want to let any of you guys I know. know. You notice I, know. I didn't say it. So yeah. Batum, unfortunately, is off the table. Maxime, here's the guys I pulled. I don't feel that good about any of them. Iguodala, I definitely want to include. I feel like he's a guy we need to throw out there. I'm also going to say Patty Mills. We've already thrown his name a couple times. And then here's the other two dudes and I think it's more optimistic for me JJ Redick Otto Poder Jr. so Iguodala I want let's say Patty Mills to do you have a third what are we thinking yeah, the only one I want to throw in is Rudy Gay boom I okay I'm gonna spoil the ending there's another question about a sign and trade for Ubre. that's mm. where I was gonna put in Rudy Ooh. Gay so do you want to save him or leave him now no, I like that approach. Yeah, yeah that makes more sense. So, Iguodala, Patty Mills, give me a third. Reddick, Otto Porter Jr., anybody else? Otto Porter Jr. is, I I mean, I... Can I just... Um, you can help us? Yeah, you can't do the sign trade for Rudy Gay because he's a free agent with hard cap the Warriors and they can't Boom. do that. Boom. Oh, uh, now, now uh, is he fucking sad. us over? Is he just no, doing not, this to fuck us over? I mean, I, who knows, I, look, dude? When it comes to this, I love... This is your, this is all, your stick. I this love is your the sign and trade. They're just... Getting a trade exchange. I want. I want everything to be gotcha. fair here. Yep. No, be there you open. go. Let's play. If we're gonna play for stakes, let's play for stakes. No, we're playing for let's stakes. Go. I mean, it's almost yeah, it's almost condescending that you had to explain it to us, but it's, I appreciate we're it. We're playing for stakes, Bram. <laughs> yeah, I, and not the one with the e in it. I, I got you, buddy. And we'll go Rudy Gay. So our three are Iguodala, Patty Mills, Rudy Gay. Wes, you've earned this next answer. Um, I really like those three. Uh, I'm going to go Iguodala because that's an easy point, especially with what we're hearing out of uh, the Lakers right now. Um, I'll also go... All right. I'm going to go... I'm going to go... I'm going to get weird. I'm just going to say Norman Powell. 
Oh. Yeah, because I need to figure out how to game this thing. Um, and I, he's available as t- at the time of us recording this, so I'm just going to go that direction. So was he just... Did he just part ways in Portland? Well, he was a free agent anyway. Oh, okay. Um, and they're going to add a big man. I just have no freaking clue who it's going to be. How could they get Norman Powell, though? On mid-level a, exception. On a mid-level? If they give he him seems three, way too good for him. I know, but if they give him three years... Look, I'm not... Like, I think Patty Mills or Corey Joseph are more... Realistic, but they already said Patty Mills, and I'm trying to win this hundred bucks coming. <laughs> I don't get that Chronicle money. <laughs> Our subscriptions are low. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'll go. I'm gonna game this, so I'm gonna go Rudy Gay too. So we have the same three, well, the same two, and then one difference. So if if it comes out my end, then I win. And all you need is one difference. Yep. Give us your three. Auto Porter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's kind of like Plan C for them, yeah. and I could see them needing a Plan C. Uh, and <laughs> JJ Redick, and I'm trying to think of another minimum. Um, uh, big men are available. I need to think about who's available. So you don't, you don't think a Godala is gonna be joining the no, roster? No, I don't. Wow. I think he's gonna get more than a minimum somewhere. Cody Zeller, Iguodala is when it comes to money. Iguodala has no like allegiances at all. Sure, it's like, he shouldn't. He played the he played the Kings off of the Warriors years ago. Yeah, um, well, I just did a, a primer, and I'm trying to remember I like who I had in the minimum yeah. category now. I can't even remember. Uh, let's say Jeff Teague. Keep the mic. It's question number two. Jeff Teague. Will the Warriors? That's like your. That's the Kaminga pick of this contest. It's like, it's hit or miss. It really is. Like either you're gonna kill us and you're gonna just go three and zero, or you're gonna completely you're gonna get none of those right. Fair. It's absolutely. an observation. It's yeah. not like it's, it's true. Just, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I feel like we're winning already, Maxime. Just so you know, I, I feel great. I feel like we're 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 looking pretty good after question number one. Question number two, Connor, start us off. Will the Warriors sign and trade Ubre? Bonus here. If you say yes and can give me the team and the player that they deal with and comes back, you get two points. No, they will not. Yeah. Um, but if if I did say yes, can I give a... Can I still give... Yeah, well, you got to pick an answer. I mean, are you, are you asking me, can you say yes well, and no? Actually, I don't even know their salary gap situation. So what I team? I was going to say San Antonio. So are you saying yes, they're going to do it, or no, they're not going to do it? San Antonio has a bunch of cap space, so they don't need to do it. No, yeah. So I, I really don't think they're going to do it. We'll There's go second. No chance. Maxine, what I want to say is no. I want to agree with him. This whole like weirdo quotes of the universe kept me in a box last season feels like an fu, dude. It, feel, you know, it feels like it just sub universe okay. out for Steve. That's Kirk. exactly right. Like this, the universe, this dude. whole thing, and like if what we really need is for him to come to the to the Warriors, and be like, I don't want to be here, but I do want to help you. So let's let's make this happen. And what he's saying is, you didn't help me last year. Those two things don't suggest well, there's, there's no be a world where move. he actually plays for the Warriors next season. Okay, okay, there's um, no world. So I say no. Yeah, but so help me out here. How how do we end up getting a traded player exception for Ubre? Do we have to first sign him? So you would have to you would have to sign and trade him into cap space elsewhere. That would be the only route that the Spurs what thing they, works. What they did but, with Iggy and Memphis. Right. The the thing, the problem is that you have to ask why would San Antonio do that if they have the cap space to just sign him outright? Why would they hard cap themselves? Not that they're really threatened by the hard cap, but like why would you just add, why would you do anything like that? And help out another conference, yeah. you know, yeah. rival. Uh, and the answer is, well, you attach an asset to Kelly yeah. Oubre 
and like a Warriors, first rounder or something like a first projected. rounder and now if you're the Warriors you guys is that worth it for this trade exception when Joe Lacob is out here saying we're not going to pay a whole lot more yeah. luxury tax than what we're already paying right so that's what's so brutal is if I'm Joe Lacob I say that's exactly what we do right because right. you know to Connor's earlier point like if if his if Kaminga's ceiling is Jalen Brown which is four years down the road Steph's 38 like no thanks you know that's a little bit too late for me um, but if, if I'm projecting what Joe Lacob is going to do then no and which is such a disappointment because this is our last chance yeah. at getting that Ubre money, and then it disappears, and we can't sign so anybody into that. Once the slot disappears, it's gone forever. So, That's do right. you think they will use it or no? I do not think that they will use it. Yeah, I'm with you too. I say there was no sign and trade with Ubre. Wes, you got a chance to to get ahead of? No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get weird here. There, the, the sign and trade thing was always a pipe dream because, simply put, it's not up to the Warriors. It's up to Kelly Ubre. And you need two teams mm. and Kelly Oubre to agree on the same thing. And, and his that's value, right? so difficult. And the reason it happened, and his value, and the reason it happened with D'Angelo Russell was just because the stars aligned, right? Like you had two teams signing two different players, and to make it work, you needed a sign and trade. And for D'Angelo Russell, by the way, like let's not pretend that he super wanted to play in Golden State. He didn't. Yep. What he wanted was the max. He wanted to play in Minnesota. Minnesota didn't have the cap space. They had. They were like going to come in like a few, a couple million shy or something like that of the max. D'Lo wanted to be a max player. He yep. wanted that indicator. And um, and so the Warriors were able to give it th- him that, and that's why everybody kind of knew, all right, you're probably going to get is, traded. Is it possible to sign and trade him to a different universe? Do we have the technology to do that? You're good at, you're good at the CBA. Yeah. Is that in there? Is there a universe clause? There's nothing in the CBA that says you can't. <laughs> Interesting. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> so across the board, no Ubre sign and trade. Here's our nonsense question, but it's an important one. And Wes, you'll tackle it first. How old were and you can pick two people in the room since Maxime and I are going to have to judge you two. So you can pick uh, Maxime and I. You can pick Connor and I. I you know, can pick. I know okay. the people in the room. There you go. Well, I'm trying to explain to everybody else, <laughs> asshole. I mean, you settle down. Uh, guess the age the first time we tried alcohol. So not when you started drinking, drinking, yeah. right? The first time you actually had a drink, just like a swig. All right. Oh, oh like alcohol touched the lips. I think it should be the first time you like got drunk. You can add that. You can add when you think we actually got drunk. But when were you willing to try alcohol for the first time is the one I'm interested in. I don't remember that. You, mean you don't remember that. Okay, so that's well, okay. You spend this time Under thinking three? about when the hell it happened. <laughs> Luckily, it's not on you yet. What's the furthest age you remember? Yeah, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> Turns out you might not be able to guess Connor because he doesn't remember so things about his life. <laughs> doesn't remember anything. Just Four years old. Seven year old. <laughs> waking up in the sandbox. How did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you picking? What are our I'm ages? Connor, for sure. I, I can tell, <laughs> but you're not going to get a definitive fucking answer. Right. We'll never know. <laughs> That's true. All right, I'm not going to pick Connor. Bram, your first drink, I think, was 12. Maxime, I'm not saying anything by saying this, but I think you were like 16. Oh, he said a lot of things by saying that. I don't even know what that sentence means, but it makes me happy that he dropped it. That would have uh, been like totally a normal thing to say if you just didn't add the first part. Well, here's, I think that says and, a lot about me. And here's the other benefit. You never answered to a charge before it's been made. Right? Like if I came to you, Connor, I was like, I did not steal your wallet. You'd be like, what? And you check your pocket immediately. This fool's saying like, I'm not saying anything by saying this means, oh, he's saying It's like, I'm not judging you by guessing this, but yeah. you lost your virginity never. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm judging you. Let's get some real answers out there to see whether or not he's accurate. These are the only points you're going to be able to get tonight. You are wrong about 
about me. You're wrong about me. Um, fuck, you're right. We can't. All right, I can't give you the actual answer because Connor's. Oh yeah, we're gonna wait. guess. We're well, gonna guess on our way. Long. So you don't want to guess twelve. You know what, Connor? I got. I have bad news for you. I've now taken me off the books. So when we are coming to you, you're going to be limited well, then to. Well, tell us then what you are. Yeah. Okay. Then I'll, I'll finish out my story. Twelve is too early, but your thought behind it is right. What I imagine you're saying, without saying it, is Bram seems like the type of dude who would drink hella early, man. I bet you yeah. he like made mistakes early on. Bingo, Wes. You're absolutely right. But it wasn't until 13 I remember trying my first beer at 13 thinking it was awful and then to finish it out first time I got drunk not 13 a couple sips and then I was out I don't think I was drunk till 15 probably and then not drinking you know like more than once during a week kind of thing till 16 17 till I could drive you know which was really (laughs) a lot of mistakes were being made it is what it is um Took your permit to the. I did. I took. I took it right. Took it right over there. This is cool. This is okay. Uh, Okay. (laughs) We don't have to talk about when I first bought alcohol. Just when I first tried it. Let's flip it over to Connor. He of the no memory. Connor. Same question. Pick two people. Well, your two people have been picked. Yeah. (laughs) To uh, to make sure Wes, woman. Want me to make it clear who's in the room? It is you. Well, you can the and, yeah. can't pick you? Now? Yeah, well, you know the answer All now. Right. So you're limited now to Wes and Maxime. What's your guesses? Don't give us answers, boys, because we got um, I think Wes and I have talked about this before. Uh, it's an advantage. Wes. Well, good thing you can't remember anything. Wes had his first drink at a very young age. Uh, I want to. S- Actually, maybe not. I'm I'm forgetting. All right, uh, well, it's too bad people well, cannot see what, the mind games yeah, that are what happening. Valuable here. inside information, dude. That's that's <laughs> so clutch. I feel like I should know this, but I don't. Uh, I'm gonna you I'm gonna say you had your first sip at at nine. Okay. Holy shit! I'm gonna say you first but got you first got that. drunk at sixteen with your cousin in the back of. Of what? This is incredibly specific. <laughs> this is incredibly specific and incredible. Of a uh, of car people driving Florida. I don't know. <laughs> okay, nine. I got you. Then the car and in, in with the people driving Florida. How about Maxime? Different cars out there. Maxime. Um, in a motorcycle, they drive in San Francisco. Sip at fifteen. You didn't get drunk until your freshman year of college at Cal. Eighteen. Okay. Boom. And to make it crystal clear when we were arguing over the $100, the only thing we're answering is when you first t- tried it. You can add the when you got drunk thing. I'm interested in it. And in what but car? It's, it's when you first tried it. The record is what the record is. That brings it to us. Um, so let's agree on this. Here's here's where I'm coming from, but I want your take. Yeah. Yeah. For Connor, definitely earlier than 21, but not super earlier. He's always been kind of, kind of controlled. So 19, hated it though. Didn't like it at all, but shortly thereafter went to drinking. I'd say by 20, he was all the way in. Yeah. So small window, 19 later approach, but then got into drinking immediately afterwards. Wes, I got a different analysis. I think he starts earlier. I'm thinking like 15 for Wes, but long stretch, long stretch. He hated it. He was out. He did it maybe in like a party setting, like there's other people around, but didn't turn back to drinking until about the 1920 range. So my actual answers would be 
Collar, 19, West 15, but then, you know, there's there's some space between the two. Right, I've got a couple follow-ups. Um, the state of Miami, what is the drinking age? Is <laughs> oh, it 10? That's, that's a damn good question, yeah. Do they have yes. drinking laws there? <laughs> I feel like you're allowed to drink, like, alligator blood at the age so of five. So that's an important, that's an important uh, question. Um, do they have heroin rules there? I don't feel like they do. They have less heroin rules than alcohol. Rules. Yeah, okay. That adds up. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> what, what about, about bath salts? other people. Yeah, yeah it's, it's no. the same Now, <laughs> yeah, if you would have asked me the first time I tried bath salts, <laughs> <laughs> that's a different universe. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, the other, the other follow-up. Drinking age. <laughs> drinking age. Is it still twenty-one? Yeah. There you go. Okay. I think that's a it? national really. law, maybe. But yeah, in any yeah. case. Um, the other thing is, I, I feel like Connor's point earlier, which can we just circle back to say, like, he remembers what college I went to, and I'm not an NBA prospect, so, like, the shriek <laughs> continues. It's unbelievable. Uh, 26 out of 20, something like that. <laughs> UC Santa Cruz, U- UCF, Knights. Cal. Wow. So weird. I will not say banana slugs into this mic. What's your <laughs> guess is say, Which is, I, I think you're, 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 you're on with West. 15 sounds great. I will say 18 for Connor because college is, you know, that is the national drinking age. Let's, then let's bring it back. 15, West, 18 for Connor. They're all on the table. Reveal it, boys. What's, what's your guys' actual ages? 15's right. Yes. Woo, so, let's go. So 15 oh, is absolutely right. that gives us right. a huge advantage. Went, huge I advantage. advantage. I wish I remembered the name of this place. It was called like Spizzies or something. Like I'm that. so proud of myself right now. I should not be. You should I'm so be. proud of myself. Of um, that was the name of the place, not the car. Uh, <laughs> Florida suburbs. Um, it was out by the beach. You asked me what the rule in Miami was. So, uh, yeah, the thing to do out in in Miami was to just go to the beach and just bring alcohol there because there was no like container laws or anything like that. It's international waters. Right, basically. You're <laughs> essentially in Cuba and whatever rules they have, you're good. Um, <laughs> so I was smoking I was smoking Cuban cigars, you sure. know, like the whole thing, you know. Um, but yeah, we so that's what so there's this place called like Spizzies or Speakies or something like that. I can't remember the name. I wish I I'm going to text my cousin later, the one that was in the car with me. <laughs> and um, we got you could just it was a drive-through sort of uh, place and they didn't ID so you could just drive through grab whatever you wanted pay them whatever it cost and then just drive away which seems like a really bad idea <laughs> wow um, and so we did that and I remember the, the first night I got um, the first time I tried drink I didn't even get drunk this night but this was the first time that I was like really drinking we went we got like some beers or something my buddy got margarita mix which he thought was actually a whole thing of margaritas <laughs> but oh it wasn't God. it was just like lime juice and sugar I and guess. it tasted incredible you're like alcohol is the best thing well he was tasted. like I'm so wasted and then we saw at the end that there was no alcohol in it and we're like dude you're so full of shit um, <laughs> but yeah we. I just remember drinking beers in like a parking lot near the beach with a bunch of friends but that's a different thing. That was the first time I was like drinking. The first time I was actually drunk was much younger, and I think this was the question that you were thinking of. Wait, how's that? I, I, so I, I wasn't doing this on purpose. I was like an infant, and I thought my uncle's scotch was apple juice, and oh, I cranked that shit. shit. <laughs> I don't that know how old I was, but I was very young. <laughs> and it's been all downhill from there. <laughs> I don't even have a follow-up to this story. I have no idea what to say to that. We need to have your uncle um, on this show Can we call your parents for uh, child protective So services? my parents, here's another thing my parents used to do. Um, <laughs> so are we still right? I can't tell if I got that answer. I'm going to give us no, credit you guys for got right. 15. 15 is absolutely right. 15 is absolutely right. So uh, just to give you a sense of the house I grew up in, there was two different kind of watermelon. 
watermelon for adults and watermelon for children. <laughs> and so the watermelon for adults. So you grew up well, in a fraternity this. house. <laughs> <laughs> My parents would make me draw a skull and crossbones and attach it to the bowl where the watermelon that was soaked in vodka was sitting. <laughs> While they sat outside and drank martinis like King of the Hill style. And, <laughs> and the kids just had to hope that they were eating the right watermelon. This is an incredible story for so many reasons. Uh, hopefully we'll have an equal reveal from Connor. What's your age, man? 16. <sighs> yeah, 16. Right, so um, earlier than I thought. That's how the Jesuits do it. It's it earlier was, than I thought. It was a couple years after I first smoked marijuana, so... Really? Wait. So you you smoked had before. you you smoked first? I was, was that like a West Coast? I thing? was smoking I'd weed yeah. on a regular basis. I smoked before. I smoked weed huh. on a regular basis before I drank. Yeah, yeah. I smoked before. Easily accessible. They didn't survive me in Portland at all. Yeah, yeah, um, I'd yeah. Say that's uh, it was at Kelsey Lou's house. Uh, her shout out. Shout out. She just got married. That'll probably shout be bleeped, so probably not. What Kelsey will probably not to? be added here. Uh, University of Oregon. Um, <laughs> her. <laughs> It's going to be large portions of this show that don't make the air. Her parents uh, served us. It was great. Oh, holy shit. Maxime, how old were you when you first got drunk? So, okay, so uh, that, um, that Wes is correct. It was 16, oh, but like by a matter shit. of hours. And so the story is it's not because of my birthday. It just so happens that my high school girlfriend broke up with me like the day before my birthday. Ooh, tough. And uh, my buddy, friend of the pod, Russ, uh, Patreon subscriber, took me out to our local elementary school, handed me a bottle of Captain Morgan, and I proceeded to get wasted. It's- it's always about the local elementary school. It's always about the local elementary school. No, 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 it's not. Like, I'd have never drank at a local elementary school. That has to school. go out of the podcast. I feel like for sure. No, no, I feel like we need to talk this out. Why are you boys going to local elementary schools? Right, That's no, a very weird. strange call. And stay away from those I'd schools, ne- please. Oh, okay. Really don't, yeah. don't do we that. Yeah. I am now calling CPS on you, <laughs> Connor, and that is way too much gold. That was incredible. Uh, Let's go to question number four before there's any other terrible admissions made. Question, and I think Wes, this goes to you first. Will the Warriors make a trade before the deadline? And you get an extra point if you think yes, and then give us for who? Before the trade deadline, midseason? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Okay. I have no idea. I would say yes, but I have no freaking clue what's going to happen. You got another point. Might as well guess. There's no There's no penalty for being wrong. I feel like I'm being penalized for going first. Um, this is the first time you've gone first. Yeah, but this is the hardest question easily. <laughs> You're still going first. Maybe you'll go first on the next one too. Uh, who the hell do they trade for? I think they trade for a center. And I think that center's name is... Mason Plumley. I have no idea, dude. I'm just naming names right now. I have no freaking clue, dude. Oh, what a and it's not bummer even Mason Plumley because I think he makes like eight million, so it doesn't even make sense. It's got to be somebody on the minimum. I have no idea. You want to think on it? We'll come back. Yeah, to yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Think on it. Do a little bit of research. Um, Maxine, we'll take the bullet, go second, and then throw it towards Connor. So, per usual, I'll give you my thoughts. You tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to say no, and wow. I and I feel like the breadcrumbs are right in front of us. You know, we've got the Joe Lacob comments telling us that these guys should be enough to win. We've got the signings of the assistant coaches illustrating the development that they're trying desperately to do. Um, and then we've got these last two draft picks, and they're going out of the way. We heard from Draymond saying, this is who I wanted. We heard from Steph, theoretically, saying, I'm going to resign. And there's a present and a future now. I can see them going, no, and we stand pat, and there's not some major trade. 
Yeah, I, I'm basically with you on that. And uh, just to add a, a little bit of reasoning for myself behind it, you know, I think if, if a Bradley Beal was available, we would make that trade. But he's not going to be available, especially now that Russ just got traded the Lakers. Brad Beal is now the cornerstone of that franchise. And if we're not going to get anybody of that caliber, then Lacob and company is going to want to just make sure that we have the best case scenario for Lacob in 2027. So we've got to know. All right, I've got my answer. The Warriors do make a trade before the deadline. They trade Eric Paschal to Utah for Udoka Azabuki, who has family ties to the organization. And that's what happens. This was well-researched and an incredibly boring answer. I thought for sure we'd have a way sexier trade, but fair enough. And then Bradley Beal. (laughs) (laughs) For Udaka. What are the family family ties? Kalena. Oh, Kalena. He's related. Actually, I should have researched that first. We should probably cut this out. That a boy, Connor. That a boy. Point for Connor. Fuck you, Wes, and your unresearched information. Connor. No, I think that they are. I think they are related. I don't think so, because he's from Africa, and Kalen is not. At least philosophy. Anyway. um, Will a trade be made? We can all this out, please. Seriously. I have no idea how this edit is going to work. I'll leave that to You can leave Maxine. it all. I, I really don't care. They're not really. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that I, they're going to trade Eric Paschal. Okay. Uh, but I think they're going to trade him for like a future second round pick. Not for Kalen Azubuki. So the reason I say Azubuki is not necessarily because of the family ties that don't exist. <laughs> But because the salaries match up relatively close. I think all this and is getting cut anyway. <laughs> I don't see, Just leave it in. I don't care. Wait, don't, why we cut this? <laughs> this is great. Uh, the, Warriors, the Warriors are going to need a center at some point. And um, that Azabuki guy who plays for Utah is a 6'10", 250-pound center. And if you're trying to just swap deck chairs out on the Titanic, then moving Pascal, who doesn't really play a position I need for the Warriors... For a center, and then maybe if you're Utah, you throw in like a, sec- a future second rounder or something like that. I think the Warriors could actually get an asset. Can out you of it. give me a historic cruise vessel that instead of sinking went on to win an NBA championship? Because I don't feel like we're rearranging Carnival Cruise Lines based in Miami. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Bingo. There you go. Last question, and it only matters in the case of a tie, which I do not think is possible anymore, although I have not been taking the type of notes necessary to tell you whether or not we could tie. But if there is a tie, here's our tiebreaker, and it has to do with what will happen actually with. Within the season, it's two parts. How many games will Clay play? What's his points per game average during the regular season? I'll go first because uh, you guys bitched when we try to make you guys go first. Maxime, what I'd like to do, 65 games, 18.5 points per game per year. Wow. Let's go. Oh. I was thinking 18 and a half. 65 feels a little high, to be honest. All right, what do you just think? Just because you're coming back from an injury. Talk me out of it. What do you think? You know, I think more like 58. 58. Boom. You got me. 58 and 18 and a half so that uh, Wes goes last. Connor, take us from here. I'm going to say 60. Okay. And I'm going to say 18 points per game. Is this like a Price is Right situation? No. I, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Did you make the game? This fool, only because of how confident he was with that, yeah? Yes, it is, right. Wes. Yeah, there you go. So I'm going to go 62. Wait, is, how does the price is right work? Yeah, is I don't know. I'm just over. agreeing with Connor because he punked me into it. All right, so I'm going to go well, 62. That's the only way to do it. Um, well, no, it's not the only way to do it. You settle down. It could just be the closest, but it is a way that we can do it, and we're apparently doing it that way. 62 games. 
and he averages 17.5 points per game. Gentlemen, huge fun. This lasted longer, I would imagine, than we thought it was, so I appreciate your guys' patience. Um, if I'm not alone in thinking that I need far more Goldberg and Letourneau in my life, where should I turn? Um, the back of a skizzy sedan <laughs> in Miami is where you can find me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess we got to go to Miami. So, um, follow me on Twitter at Con underscore Cron. Read all my stuff at SFChronicle.com. Warriors Off Court is my podcast. Both Bram and Wes come on regularly. Check it out. We love Connor. He is not being kidnapped for this podcast, despite his vocal inflections in that last uh, <laughs> in that last goodbye. He had some fun, I think. I don't know who the fuck knows. We certainly did. You can find us at at Warriors Huddle at our Twitter. I mean, like, oh my god, like, I've never seen anybody. He apparently tapped into Florida's heroin account in order to give us that close. Oh, but that's where I saw that. Before. Yeah, there it is. You can find me drinking too early anywhere at Warriors Huddle. Uh, Warriors Huddle at Gmail, the whole nine yards. Go Warriors. Hopefully, we see you in a couple weeks. Good, good.